Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Emma Filipoff took her journal everywhere she went. She has always been a creative soul, an artist, and a writer. Her life growing up in Perth, Ontario, was fairly typical. She was introspective, she was a good listener, and people loved being around her. Emma was liked by just about everyone who had ever met her. In the fall of 2012, Emma decided to leave her home and family in Perth and travel across the country to Victoria, British Columbia. She took a job at Redfish Bluefish Seafood Restaurant, but as a coastal town, this restaurant was seasonal and closed on October 31st. Emma told her boss and coworkers she would be returning to work in the spring. In late November, Emma made some calls home to her mother, who was still back in Perth. She had stated that she wanted to come home, but each time they talked, Emma changed her mind by the end of the call and would tell her mom, never mind. In late November, a few different friends and acquaintances would see Emma and noted that she didn't quite seem like herself. One of those friends even called 911, but officers checked on Emma and determined that she was fine. There was nothing they could do for her. Her mom finally decided she needed to go see Emma in person and see how she was. Something was telling her that Emma needed help. On November 28th, Shelly arrives in Victoria to see her daughter and hopefully bring her back home with her. She heads to the place where Emma had been staying and finds out that Emma is not there. She reports Emma missing and the search for Emma would begin. Where is Emma Filipoff? And welcome to another episode of the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing persons case, this one from British Columbia, Canada. The case of Emma Filipoff came recommended to me by Abby, one of our Patreon members. Thank you so much for your case suggestion. This is a story that I was a little bit aware of. I had heard of her before. Emma disappeared in 2012, and while her case had some coverage in those early years, the media sharing Emma's story has slowed down considerably. It's time to tell her story and get her name out there. It's time to find Emma. Emma was born January 6th, 1986 in Ontario to parents Shelley and James. She had a fairly normal childhood for a while. She was one of four children in the family and they lived in a close-knit community near Perth, Ontario. Emma was said to be a quiet child, but a very content and happy child. Growing up, Emma excelled in anything artistic. She was a dancer for a while, and she also enjoyed painting and writing and photography. As a teenager, her parents divorced, and Emma took it pretty hard. As soon as she graduated from high school at age 18, Emma traveled to China to teach English. It was her dream to see the world and to travel, and she would get to do this for a few years. 
Upon returning to Canada, Emma pursued diplomas in both photojournalism and culinary arts. In 2011, Emma would move to the opposite end of the country, over to Victoria, British Columbia. Victoria, British Columbia seemed a great fit for her free spirit and creative artistic personality. Emma was a private person, and her family didn't know much about her life in Victoria, but this is how Emma had always been. She was the introspective and the independent child. They, of course, worried about her, but as a young 20-something, they had to let her spread her wings. The summer of 2012, Emma worked at a seasonal restaurant called Redfish Bluefish. And when fall approached and the restaurant was shutting down for the season, Emma made sure to tell her coworkers and her boss that she would definitely be back next spring and summer. By the end of November, however, things had changed drastically. The Disappearance On November 24th, 2012, in the middle of the night, Emma's mom, Shelly, woke up to the phone ringing. It was Emma. She was crying and telling her mom that she needed to come home. And her mom reassured her that she was always welcome home and they could get her home one way or another. Before they hung up the phone, Emma promised her mom she would call her tomorrow. On November 25th, 2012, the very next day, a tearful Emma called her mom back. This time she told her mom, no, she wasn't going to go home. She changed her mind and that she couldn't face her. Shelly didn't know what Emma meant by that, but still tried to convince Emma to come home. These calls went back and forth like this every day until November 28th, 2012. Shelly finally made the decision to just fly to Victoria and bring Emma back with her. Her motherly instinct had kicked in and she knew something was very wrong. When her mom arrived in Victoria, however, she couldn't find Emma. She learned that she had been actually staying in a women's shelter, something that her mom had not known before, and they hadn't seen Emma since very early that morning. Friends and acquaintances that Shelley did track down didn't know where Emma was either, and the problem was that Shelley didn't really know who Emma's friends were in Victoria. She was able to find out that Emma had been staying at that Sandy Merriman women's shelter, which had shocked her. She had no idea her daughter was living in a women's shelter and became even more panicked and worried that something was wrong with her daughter. When Shelley went to that women's shelter and spoke to the staff, she immediately ended up calling the Victoria police who arrived to take a missing persons report. It was about midnight on November 28th. Emma Filipoff had disappeared. The search. We all know how it goes when an adult goes missing, and Emma was 26 years old at this time. However, it seemed the police did start looking for Emma, and they did uncover some interesting clues. A timeline of events for Emma's movements on November 28, 2012, was created. They learned Emma woke up that morning at the women's shelter and left before 8 a.m. At 8.30 a.m., she is spotted on security cam footage in a local convenience store. Further investigation into that visit to that store showed that Emma purchased a $200 prepaid credit card. There is a chunk of time during the day when Emma's movements are unknown, 
But at 6 p.m., she surfaces again getting into a taxi and asking the driver to take her to the airport. However, she cuts this trip in the cab short and tells the cab driver she doesn't have any money and he lets her out on the street. She enters the same convenience store she was at earlier that day, this time purchasing a prepaid cell phone. Emma had never had a cell phone before, and this seemed unusual. But that wasn't the most confusing thing in that security footage. Emma spent several minutes just by the front doors of the store peering outside, almost as if she was looking for someone. It seemed that she didn't want to leave the store. She was reluctant. She would lean on the door. She would peer through it. She would walk around, although eventually she did leave the store. Around 6.30 p.m., an acquaintance of Emma's is walking by the Empress Hotel in Victoria and sees Emma standing at the corner. He stops and talks to her and noted that she really didn't seem okay to him. She was also barefoot. He talked to her for a bit and then went into a local restaurant and called the police to come check on her. Her behavior to him was that odd. This friend saw the police arrive and start to talk with Emma, and he actually debated on staying to make sure that they handled it and that Emma was okay. He really thought they would end up taking Emma to the hospital or something, so he ended up leaving. The police would stay and talk to Emma for about 45 minutes. And as it turns out, they didn't take Emma anywhere. The police call log does show that an officer responded and after talking with Emma, did not feel she was a threat to herself or anyone else, and there was nothing he could do. He left Emma standing there, barefoot, in front of the Empress Hotel. That was the last time Emma Filipov could be accounted for. This wouldn't be the last clue, however. Her 1993 red Mazda van was discovered in the parking lot of the Chateau Victoria. Most of her personal belongings were found in the van, including her journal, which everyone who knew Emma said she wouldn't go anywhere without. Friends have said that she was using the van for storage, and others thought that she actually had the intention of living in it. Authorities and her mom did go through that journal, and it did document some of her struggles in Victoria. And it also stated that she felt like she was in trouble, like she was being followed. She wrote that she wasn't feeling like herself lately. She felt lost and confused. Was all of this a sign of mental troubles that no one knew about? A week after Emma vanished, her prepaid card she had purchased that day was used at a store to buy cigarettes. Authorities discovered the card was used by a man who said he had found the card at Galloping Goose Trail, a trail just on the outskirts of Victoria. Police searched and combed through every inch of that trail, looking for anything, any clues at all, and they found no signs of Emma anywhere. The location this card was found at was 19 kilometers or 11 miles from the Empress Hotel where she was last seen. No one came forward saying that they saw her at this trail, however. Another very interesting piece of information would be learned concerning one of Emma's ex-boyfriends. This young man was someone she had seen briefly while living in Ontario near her family, but Emma had broken off the relationship. This man didn't want the relationship to end, however, and admitted later to stalking her and pursuing Emma, perhaps a bit too aggressively. This same man would coincidentally run into Emma in Victoria months later. The man claimed this was purely accidental. 
Although many questioned it, how did he end up on the opposite end of the country and just happened to be walking down the street when he ran into his ex-girlfriend? But he insisted that he had nothing to do with Emma's disappearance, and he offered to take a polygraph and spoke willingly to the police. He did end up taking a polygraph and passing, and police have said that they did clear him of any involvement in Emma's disappearance. Emma's mom searched tirelessly for her daughter and received so many leads. People telling her that Emma was living in Vancouver or others saying that she was living with the homeless and that she didn't want to be found. But all of Shelley's searches turned up no signs of Emma. The police also spent time searching the nearby harbor, which was just across the street from the Empress Hotel. They sent in divers and boats into the water, believing that Emma might be in the water but they found nothing. A strange clue would surface in May of 2014. A man walked into a store in the Gastown, British Columbia area, upset and holding a crumpled up piece of paper in his hands. He told the store clerk that Emma was his girlfriend. She was just fine and she wanted to be left alone. He said she wasn't missing and he tossed the crumpled missing poster of Emma Filipoff in the trash can. He seemed agitated and angry and the store clerks immediately notified the police. The police retrieved that security cam footage of this encounter in the store, and they put a plea out to the public with his photo in hopes of identifying this man. But they have yet to figure out who he is. This was one of the leads that provided the most hope to family and friends. This man seemed he knew Emma, and even though her name was on the flyer, of course, it was interesting that he did refer to her by name, meaning that maybe if it was mistaken identity... It's someone with Emma's name, or was it indeed Emma? Also, he mentioned that she didn't want to be found, which also sounded suspicious, but very possible. Was this man indeed someone who knew Emma? This was a year and a half after Emma had last been seen or heard from, and this encounter might have given the family and friends the most hope out of all of the leads. However, as time pressed on, nothing new from that lead would develop. Victoria, British Columbia. Victoria is a Canadian city in British Columbia. It sits on the southern tip of Vancouver Island and it borders the Pacific Ocean. Just across the bay from Victoria, you'll actually find the San Juan Islands, part of the United States. Victoria is the capital city of British Columbia and has just over 90,000 residents. It is known as an architecturally beautiful city and has also been nicknamed the Garden City. Victoria also has a reputation for being a very artsy city, attracting artists in the form of music, painting, and writing, a world that Emma would have certainly been drawn to. Tourism is also a major component of Victoria's economy. There is a major cruise port within the city, bringing thousands of visitors to Victoria regularly. Emma was last seen at the Empress Hotel on Government Street. This hotel is simply now called the Fairmont Empress. It is just across the street from the harbor and the Victoria Marina. The Chateau Victoria, where Emma's van was found parked, is a six-minute walk inland. 
All of these points of interest, however, are very close to each other, but we really don't know their significance to Emma. Why was she in front of the Empress Hotel? Did that just happen to be where she was walking by at that moment? Why was her van parked at the Chateau Victoria? Crime in Victoria always seems to ebb and flow by looking at the statistics. However, it is and has been below the national average. Of course, that doesn't matter to those affected by a crime, and crime is certainly not non-existent in Victoria. Crime isn't non-existent anywhere, unfortunately. There was also another question that authorities couldn't quite figure out. Why did she tell her taxi driver she didn't have the fare to make it to the airport? By car, the airport was 40 minutes away. We know that she had that $200 prepaid card she purchased earlier, but perhaps she needed that for something else. But what? She certainly had the means, if she still had that card, to make it to the airport. And wouldn't she know that she didn't have the fare before getting into the taxi? Or was it more pricey than she maybe had anticipated? Or was there another reason she needed to be let out of the taxi and that was just her excuse to the driver? No one in Emma's life while in Victoria could really shed any light on her strange behavior. While Emma kept her life private from her family, it seemed she did so also with regards to everyone in her life. It is interesting, however, that since her disappearance, staff at the women's shelter where Emma had been staying did come forward and stated that she needed both medical and physical intervention. What exactly that means, however, is unclear. Emma's family, especially her mother, continue to push the authorities to get answers on her daughter's whereabouts. But they're not sitting around waiting for them to take action, however. They have been hitting the streets as well. Authorities had believed that Emma had likely committed suicide and possibly went into the water, and they did search the harbor three separate times. Family believes that Emma may be living somewhere undetected or possibly ran into some foul play or something nefarious. Authorities said that they had come to their conclusion about suicide based in part on Emma's journals in which she seemed very troubled. But she also wrote very poetically, so it's hard to say what her words really meant. There were also zero clues or evidence that leads authorities to any signs of foul play. Aside from suicide and foul play, the possibility that Emma left and went somewhere else and is living undetected is also a possibility. Emma felt she was being followed and acted almost as if she was in danger. Perhaps this caused her to leave Victoria and go somewhere else. If she is living a transient or homeless lifestyle, it's possible she has remained off-grid. She could be completely living under the radar, which, of course, would be the best outcome for her family and friends. Her family has set up a website, helpfindemmaphilipoff.com, and also a Facebook page, Help Find Emma Philippoff, to help spread awareness of Emma's case. Please give them a follow and show your support for the family. It's been over 11 years, but they have not and will not give up their search for Emma. So what do you think happened to Emma Filipov? Emma is described as a Caucasian female standing 5 foot 5 inches tall and weighing around 110 pounds at the time she was last seen 
in November of 2012. She was 26 years old then and would today be 37, almost 38 years old. She had long brown wavy hair and brown eyes. She was last seen in November 28, 2012, wearing camel pants, a green jacket, and an orange purse or bag. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the Victoria Police Department at 250-995-7654, or anyone can always call the anonymous Crime Stoppers tip line at 1-800-222-8477. I'm definitely curious to know your thoughts on this one. Thank you for listening to Emma's story today. Please share her name, her case, her website, anything you can do to help raise awareness. Make sure to check out the Facebook page the family has set up to show your support to them as well. I've mentioned it before, but social media is such a numbers game. The more people liking and following that page, the more Facebook will also help promote it. I will share her info as well over on our social media pages. Be sure you are following us there. You can find the podcast page on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, YouTube, and Patreon. I'd love for you to support our show over on Patreon as well by joining our detective groups. This is where I'll be posting some additional content. And those funds that we raise over there help us make donations to the GoFundMes for the families and the charities that we've partnered with. There is also a free option to join Patreon as well if you would just like to follow along for now. That link will be in the show notes. If you have any case suggestions or feedback, please hit me up on the socials or email me anytime at canwefindthem at gmail.com. A big thank you again to Abby over on Patreon for suggesting Emma's case. Once I really read into her story, I knew we had to talk about it. She has been missing for far too long, and it's completely heartbreaking that her family still searches for her with absolutely little to no leads coming in. Thank you again for listening to Emma Philippoff's story today. We will be back again very soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.